Thanks for listening. The following is an audio presentation from High Country Christian Church. For more information, please visit www.highcountrychristian.com. Well, we're so blessed to have with us today pastors Ron and Denise Yutzi, who are very important fixtures in my life, in my wife's life, and in the lives of us as a church. I had the privilege of meeting Pastor Ron as a little boy, years and years and years ago. Yeah, not long after I was born. I actually don't remember meeting him as that young. He and my father go way, way, way back. We all came from Western New York, and um, and, and they got to know each other while they were assistant pastors at different churches. And their hearts got connected. And some years later, my father went on to start a church. Pastor Ron moved to Olean, New York. He may talk about that a little bit today, which is a tiny town, smaller than Boone, smaller than West Jefferson, I think. It was, it's a tiny little town. And he built and developed over several decades the biggest, most vibrant, amazing church in that community. And God raised up people in his ministry. And, uh, and they've just had an amazing testimony of the faithfulness of God. And so now they live in Atlanta, Georgia, and they sit on the board here at our church. They're part of our pastoral covering team. And we look to them because they're a voice of God speaking into our lives. Amen. How many of you are glad for leaders that are valuable people that want to cover over you and want to be there to protect you? That's the kind of people that they are. So I know that whatever comes out of their mouths this morning is going to be for you, and it's going to be with love and care for your development in Christ Jesus. One of the things Pastor Ron has said to me all these years, he said, Josh, I'm committed to your success. Isn't that amazing? And I know that extends to all of you this morning. We're committed to your success, and they're committed to your success too. Would you please welcome Pastor Ron and Denise Yutsi to the stage this morning? Good morning. Um, we're so, of course you may. It's your pulpit. <laughs> um, so we're so excited to be here. This is our first time, one with the name Hope Church. Woohoo! And the second, um, just seeing all your new beautiful faces. And we were here in the old building and it was a lot smaller with less people. And now to look around, it's like, you know, I felt like God gave me the word of the Lord in that building, and now it's like watching it manifest right before our eyes. It's like awesome. Um, I just want to encourage you, you know, Josh said something. He said, you know, it's really a gift when you have a leader that's over you that you know is committed to your success and you can trust and will pour into you. Well, I just want to challenge and encourage you. You guys have that leader. Not only do you have that leader, you have that staff, because that's been the gift for us is that we've been here since the beginning pretty much. And so we've watched them. We've watched their commitment and their loyalty, first to God's vision and then to the people that he's entrusted them to. So this morning as I was praying just to see what I was going to share, and I'm excited that there's new faces because I know that God's going to speak to your heart. Um, but this is what I felt like the Holy Spirit said, is think it not strange that I brought you here for such a time as this, for I've heard the distress of the people brokenhearted, broken lives, broken marriages. But I came that they may have life and have it to the full. I have sent you as a beacon of hope, a city on a hilltop. And so what he did this morning when Ron and I were praying, he took me to the book of Nehemiah, and I just want to share this with you really quick because I think this is critical for you guys, is, you know, God is the one that places the members in the body as it pleases him. But he uses a leader to initiate the cause. And God put Boone and Josh and Brian's heart to come back here to, to plant and to build this house. Even though there's a million other churches that we pass on the way to this building, he put it in their heart for a people that was crying out. Well, just like Nehemiah, that's what happened to Nehemiah. Like, there were a zillion people that knew that that wall was broken. There were a zillion people that knew that those gates were torn down. But God burned it in Nehemiah's heart to rebuild the wall. He burned it in his heart to the point that he was serving the king. And the king said, and he could have got killed for this, said, what is your problem? Not, I mean, that's a paraphrase, but why are you crying? Why are you weeping? And he said, how can I be here experiencing all this goodness and wonderfulness? And yet my people 
lie in ruin, right? They're in distress. And so he said, okay, what do you want? Right? And he said, I want to go back and fix the wall. He said, what do you need? He said, I need materials. I need favor to get through. And then I need your hand and blessing until I get back to get it done. And the king's like, okay. Well, guess what? We have a king. (laughs) It's just that the king initiated the cause for Hope Church to be placed in Boone. And he placed Josh and Brianne as the Nehemiahs, right? But it wasn't just the Josh and Brianne's. And this is the other cool thing, because you guys need to know that that was a God vision. So God's bringing the provision. He's given you the favor. He's opening the doors. And this is what he didn't ask for that the king gave him, is it literally says he sent the captains. He sent the protection to go before him. There are ministering angels going before you guys in the front and in the back to keep and protect you and to bring the people God's called, right? But this is the thing. So Nehemiah got there and he started casting the vision, casting the vision, casting the vision. This is what was awesome is if you read the book of Nehemiah, if you don't know this, he literally named the names of the people that were on the wall and that weren't. And God knows your name. And he knows where he placed you on this wall. And he brought you. Don't think it's strange that I brought you here for such a time as this. So I'm not going to try to say those names. I'm just going to say this. (laughs) That as God is building the walls of Hope Church, as he's creating this place of safety and security to bring those people that right now are in distress, right? I wrote these names. He's putting Kat next to Leslie and Leslie next to Stephanie and Stephanie next to Willie and Willie next to Rosie and Rosie next to Nick and Nick's next to Vanessa and all of them next to Josh and Brian. So if you guys, you and Josh and Brian, if you would just come up here for a second and then Gracie, I'm gonna have you on one side and babe, I'm just gonna have you next to Josh on the other. I don't want you guys to touch each other. I just want you to stand next to each other, okay? Close, like this, okay? So this is what God's getting ready to do, gang. He brought you here for such a time as this. The body says, the Bible says he's the one that places the members in the body as it places him. And as we all do our part, as Ron does his part, and Josh does his part, and Brianne does his part, and Gracie does her part, the whole body grows, right? But we can get, can, we can stand congregated, right? But babe, if you'd stand right next to Josh... Okay, this is what congregating looks like, right? So if I do this, or the enemy does that, right? We're not connected. We're not growing, right? So if you guys would just lock each other's arms, this is the difference between congregation and connection. It is a lot harder to pull them apart, and God is building a wall. He is repairing what's happening in Boone, and I don't even know it all. You guys know it all. What I'm saying is, Lock arms, because they need you. We need you. We're locking arms from Atlanta. (laughs) We're just saying, lock arms, because the next time we're coming back, all these seats are going to be full, because we're getting behind the vision, and the king is honoring his word to watch over, to perform it with signs following. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Thank you, babe. Hallelujah. Great word. Thank you, Frankie. Thank you. It's great to have him up here playing on the keys, isn't it? Hallelujah. Thank you, thank you. Hey, it's so good to be here today. I mean, we've been in Boone since near the beginning, and we can remember, boy, I can think we might have been able to get to the first three rows here, and and then the children's ministry started right behind, right? And uh, yeah, and so there were times, and I'm not always very quiet, but they were definitely louder. There was no doubt. So uh, when they were laughing, cheering, or crying, it definitely got the attention. And you know what was amazing is that you stuck through those times, right? I've been in ministry for about 38 years. Uh, I know, you're shocked because you're looking and going, he must have started at two years old. He had to. Um, And I appreciate that. Uh, So, right? That tells you how long I've known Josh. All right? So just a little bit, because Josh is not going to tell you his age. Um, But I could. No, I'm just... uh, His dad and I met, I believe it was 1983. 
So, uh, and we worked together in ministry starting in 84, did big things in 85. Uh, we did things in the city that we were in in 1985 that I got letters from the mayor of the city of Buffalo. Uh, because, yeah, about thanking me for what we were doing, and your dad was a part of that, working with me as well as other ministries that I pulled together. So uh, that's going back when you think 1985. Josh, let me think. Is this 2021? What's that? 21, 50. Wow, that's like 36 years, huh? Yeah. Hmm. Yes. Yeah, so um, the next, what's that? Yeah, see, 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 I told you. Um, and he's right. When, when I first met uh, the, the family, uh, he was, oh, I mean, I'm sure he could talk, but, um, you know, I just remember, well, little, very little. And, you know, and his, and his mom as well, because they had not gotten married a whole lot. You know, it was, you know, I, don't, I wasn't there at the wedding. They weren't, at, were they at ours? No, they weren't at ours. Um, okay. But, no, but yeah, we, we, yeah, but anyway, uh, you know, it's, it's, it goes back. So I say that to you with, you know, I never thought that I would be in the ministry like I am. I came out of rock and roll guitar playing. And uh, doing that, you know what was the major transformation? I always had a draw toward church, Although I didn't know what, we never called it ministry because where I was raised, we, I didn't even know what that word was. If somebody used that word, I'd, I wouldn't have known what that was. I just thought church was so, like important, you know, where I was raised. Uh, but I never went. You probably have people right here in this community that have the same sense, right? I, I really did think it was important. I, I wasn't critical of the church I just didn't participate in the church. And, and I didn't really have a great reason. I just felt like my life had other priorities and other things to do uh, than go to church. And you know what literally bring, brought a change in my life? Because my pursuit was music. I mean, I was, I was playing in clubs at 16 years old. I was about to go on a national tour at 19. A 19-year-old kid. You're going, wow, I mean, that's just very unusual. And I have friends of mine to this day from back then that play for some of the most popular bands that in, our, in our time. And we still communicate, and they're still doing their thing. That's all they know. Uh, that's, that's all they've done is music and do albums and tour. And I remember being in that world as a teenager thinking, this is going to be great. And the thing that altered my direction in my life was somebody continually kept inviting me to a church service. Amen. See, there was something in my heart, and I got to the point that it, I was becoming defensive. I said to that person, please stop inviting me. I've got so much to do. As a matter of fact, I said, the next time we're doing a show in this city, you should come to that show, and, uh, and then maybe I'll consider going to church. And he wouldn't quit, and he wouldn't quit. And he wouldn't quit. And I'm being as transparent as I can with you. I didn't have a warm feeling from God come over my heart to move me to come to church. I had this like very passionate, ungodly desire to want to punch him right in the head. I really did. Because <laughs> he kept asking me and asking me and asking me. And, and, and here was my rational justification. I said to myself, if I go one time to church... I'm going to ask him to never ask me again because I did go and that this way don't ask anymore. Now, I thought that's what will work. So I said to him, I will go with you to church. And, uh, but in doing that, I'm asking you, please, let, don't ask me again. And he went, well, you know, let's see how you like it first. <laughs> okay. And then you know what he did to make sure that I would go? He asked me to pick him up. <laughs> I didn't even know where he lived. I'd never been to his house. I'm not, I went, you're kidding me, right? I'm just, I'll just, what time's the church? No, no, no. Why don't, you come to my house, pick me up. The, and he said it to me. This way, I know that you'll go and you'll at least have somebody that you know. I didn't even know the guy that much. You want to know how he knew me? Because he came to one of our shows. I think I tossed a pick out and it had my name on it. And, and then in the company that I worked with, they moved my hours from nights to days and he happened to work there and see me one day because I wore a ball cap because my hair was down to here. And they wouldn't let me, about as long as yours. Really, yeah. And, and they told me, listen, when you get off out of your office and you wander around in the store during the day, you got to put it up in a ponytail and under the cap. And I went, 
I can do that. Because I said, I ain't cutting it. I mean, I, I do a whole lot better out there playing music than I will here. I'm just, you know, this was like extra income to support. You know how musicians are, the habits they have of buying stuff. I mean, I'm pretty good now. I only got about a half a dozen guitars. But, I mean, you know, it, that's not too bad. You, you, you should have saw what I had years ago. I mean, I remember when I first came to Christ and, and thought about, man, I got to do stuff. I think I sold $8,000 worth of sound equipment, just sound equipment. Back then, I mean, I can't imagine what it was worth today because I thought, you know, churches, what, you know, what are they going to do with these things that these huge scoops and big boards, you know, most churches I went to, little tiny churches, you know, smaller churches that, you know, like, like we have. This is all we need. Of course, we didn't have these things back then. Um, anyway, getting back to it, he invited me to go to church. And I went to church. And believe it or not, I can't tell you what the message was. I don't remember. I don't. What I do remember was I looked around and the people who were there wanted to be there. And that was the conviction in my heart. Because remember, I thought the church was valuable. I just didn't want to be there. And I didn't have a reason. Like if you asked me, I didn't have a reason. It wasn't anything bad. It blew me away that these people wanted to be there. They wanted to sing. They couldn't stop talking to each other. I couldn't wait to get out the door. They were all standing in there talking, sharing, you know. And, I, and as I exited the door, I remember the pastor was in the back. And I walked out the door and he thanked me. He said, thank you for coming. He said, I really appreciate you being here. And he says, and I also know that you don't know the Lord yet, but you will. And I remember when I walked out the door, I turned left, started walking down to where my car was. And I thought to myself, how dare he say that to me? <laughs> right? How dare he say that? Why do I bring that to you? You know, we could view coming to a church service as a coincidence. We could view it as a possible, hey, somebody invited me, as happened to me. In my human mind, I'm going to justify it. I'm going to go so that they never ask me again. Because after all, I got other things to do, right? Especially if I've played Friday night and Saturday night. The last place I need to be is church in the morning at 10 o'clock. Right? I didn't get home till 3.34 in the morning, or depending, you know, sometimes could have been earlier, depending on when the show ended, you know, but then after the show, it's not just the breaking down. You know, you, you talk and you, we didn't call it fellowship, but, you know, you gather, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. So anyway, but uh, so, you know, you're thinking church. I want to say to you, just based on what my wife had mentioned and what we're going to talk about today, do not underestimate the awareness of Jesus Christ of your life right now. Do not underestimate how very aware he is of this community. Do not underestimate that for years and years he has heard the prayers of people. Could be your parents that have prayed for this community. Jesus is aware of all of this. And this meeting today and you being here is not a coincidence of circumstances. This is a divine intersection. And we need to be aware of the master and the king and that even if in your mind you didn't sense that, maybe you may even be listening to me and don't sense it now. It's not about you sensing it. It's about whether or not you will see what he's doing. I didn't see it that day. But what I did see was the willingness of people wanting to be there. And it blew me away. Why? Because in my mind, I thought church was boring. Why would you go? See, it wasn't a priority for me, but it was to them. It pricked my heart. Then when I left, the pastor telling me, I, thank you, thanking me for being there and acknowledging that he knew that I wasn't a believer. I didn't even talk to him. I, I, that, that, that's what I was thinking. He didn't even know anything about me. You know, I mean, it might not have helped that I had hair down to here and was wearing chokers around my neck, but, but still, I mean, don't judge me, right? I mean, really. I mean, don't, don't, you know. I mean, I just, you know walking out the door, but he said, you will be. It wasn't long after that that I came to Christ. I remember going back there and thanking him. I remember going back and becoming a member of that church. I remember out of that church, things that occurred in my life that have helped me get to where I am today. All these years later, you don't know everything that God has prepared for you. What we do need to be aware of is the intersections that he creates on our journey here. 
There are some the devil will create to deter you. Then there are others the master creates to guide and direct you. And if we can see what the master is doing and acknowledge that, even if I don't even like it at the moment, if I can see it, and I'm willing to yield to him, there is an amazing thing that happens in your life. Because he will never make you be who he wants you to be. He will never force you to be who he will want you to be. He never will. He gave you that ability to choose whether you'll yield to his will or not. Remember, if God was the one who's making everybody do something, he'd make everybody come to Christ right now and we're out of here. Right? That's why he died. All right? That's not just a nice movie that we put up on the screen so that people can watch during the Easter season and go, oh, Jesus. No, that's not why he did that. He really did that. That was a real event that happened, and he did it for a reason, and it was so that you and I as humans that are flawed and, 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 and sinful in ourselves have a promise that by just accepting that his shed blood is the only payment for our sin, I can have an eternal home in, with heaven in him because he didn't make me not to have fellowship with me. He created me to have fellowship with me, and humans desire to have fellowship. They desire that. It's just that they grab for whatever gives them attention because they're hungry for it. You don't think that addicts just go to hang with addicts just for the sake of hanging. It's that they share something in common. They want to be around a group that they think understands them. We share something. See, what they didn't understand is that what drew you to that place was a need. See, you needed that attention. You needed somebody to share something with. You didn't want to just do it yourself. God wired that, hardwired it in the life of humans. I want to talk to you this morning, and those of you that are watching online, if you're online right now, you want to share this. Get a watch party started. You're going to want to share this today, and I won't take long, but I know that what I will share with you is a divine intersection on your journey as a church and your journey in life. And I'm asking Jesus, touch our ears to hear his voice. Even though I may be speaking, let us hear him. Touch our eyes to see what he is already doing. It's not like it, I look around and I look at Hope Church and I think to myself, man, I remember the last time that I was here and it wasn't called Hope Church and I remember the location. Matter of fact, remember then we drove around and looked at different places that could be a possible home of the future, right? And it never, like we, we were moving in one direction, it just never materialized into that, right? And you see what God has done and said, Lord, you're absolutely amazing. This is not a coincidence of circumstance. As a matter of fact, the reality is we're all here at this moment in time because of people that plowed the road before you and I that have wept and cried in this community and prayed, Lord, would you, would you establish something like this? And then right while we're sitting in here, and you may be a first-time visitor or first-time viewer, man, I am so honored that you're here today because I know what that feels like. I will never forget what that feeling was walking into that church. I couldn't wait to get out. I only went in so that the guy would never invite me again. And again, remember, it wasn't because I had anything bad to say about the church. I just had other things in my world that I wanted to do and didn't find that the church was a place that was a priority that I should go to until I showed up there. And when I did, when I saw the passion in them and the desire that they wanted to be there, wanted to sing. I mean, remember, I'm a rock and roll guitar player. I'm listening to the stuff they're singing and going, Really? And this is getting them going. I mean, they, they were tambourining and raising hands and dancing, and I'm going, wow, okay, you know. All right, you know. But, hey, to each his own, I guess. You know, that's, I used to say back then, I, I hate two schools of music, country and western. I mean, he's a rock and roll guitar player. I, I don't like either one. You know, now I've changed. You know, you've changed. I've, some of my friends that are some of the most popular country artists that in, in what they've been on 21 number one country hits right and you go well you know they have perfected their craft well for me back then i just wanted i thought we were perfecting it to go another road and you're looking at what's happening there and it just really spoke to you wow these people want to be here see if this is your first time here if it's your first time viewing but you're sticking on why this is not a coincidence of circumstance it's not. This is a divine intersection. And the reason is, is because you're so important and valuable to God, and so is this community. It isn't about me. 
I'm just grateful to be here, and I'm, I'm the one that's humbled to be in your presence. I realize the only reason why I'm here is because of something he's doing that's trying to help you. This isn't about me. This is about you and about your community, and I'm honored to be a part of that. So let's kind of open our ears and our eyes and let the Lord really speak to us today. And here's what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about a message I'm calling, It's Time to Engage. Why do I say that? We've just walked through and are still walking through a season of a little over a year where it's been one of the absolute darkest seasons in people's lives around the world, not just here in the States, around the world. People have lost loved ones through a pandemic. But the biggest thing that has impacted the whole world, I know you may think it's the virus. There is. It's just a different virus than what you may be thinking. And it's a virus called fear. People have shut down their lives because of them being afraid. You may not be aware, so I'm going to tell you. In one year's time, in the history of taking records in this country, and we've been taking records a long time, in one year during this time, this pandemic, there have been more individuals who have lost their lives because of an addiction to drugs or alcohol abuse than has ever been recorded in the history of one year in our United States of America. I bet you haven't heard that statistic. This year alone, just in one year from this pandemic, all right, because of fear. They don't know where to go. Why is that? Because they're look- these were some people that they may have been dabbling with it, but all of a sudden, they- this is what they relied upon to get them through. Are you ready? Our mental health associations and our medical teams have been saying this since back last year, August. Folks, this has got to get on the radar screen of our... We got, I know we're doing things, and it's good. We need to be doing that. But, but we are neglecting a whole group over here. This is a group, and it's not just them. Maybe you don't have something that you're addicted to. Maybe you haven't seen an increase of alcohol addiction or whatever it is. Maybe you haven't had that. The other thing they're saying is, here's what's amazing. Pull these people just here in the United States, and it's almost 40%. When you ask them about their year and they say, I have like almost lost a sense of purpose and and what I do because, here's why, ready? Because I've sheltered in. So now what do they do? And they're saying, because of this, see, it's the ripple effect. Because we've done that. Was it good? Absolutely. Needed to happen, right? Why do we do that? Because we're people. We love people. We want to help people. So we're doing it. But here's the other side. When that occurs... Are we aware that within the internal mechanism of a human's creation, if they're wired for community, and all you do is put them in a place where they fellowship with the TV? Right? And so why? Because they need information. So what are they watching? Probably the news. What did the news promote? Right? And all of it. And so we see this thing grow and grow and grow, and all of a sudden now, You're in a state where, and here's one of the biggest ramifications. Are you ready for this? Jesus Christ said these words in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16, verse 18. He said, I am building my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Against what? Against the building of the church. Well, what's the church's mission? If he's building the church, what is the church here to do? Can I share? Ready? I know this is not real cerebral at the moment, but it's practical. I want you to hear. Why are we here? To go into all the world, people pockets. He didn't mean geographic locations. That's not what he was referring to. He said, go where there's people. If you went to a plot of land and there's nobody, it ain't no good for you to preach the gospel to a tree or an ant or a bug or a deer. You may like that, but that's not not what the call was. Jesus was trying to say, go and intersect in people pockets wherever they may live, in various places on this globe. And what do you do? When you get to those people pockets, would you please tell them about how much I love them? 
Because he said the gospel. Tell them the good news, not how mad I am at them. Tell them how much I love them. Tell them that I gave my life for them. And tell them that heaven is open to them. All they got to do is welcome my presence, right? Would you just tell them that? And then when they receive it, help them to grow in that faith until they come home to be with me. Can you do that? So what happens? While there's this fear, and I'm saying it, while the idea of what we were doing was a right idea. Do not misunderstand what I'm saying. It's a right idea. When we listen to the wrong voices about the idea, it can produce a result that we weren't expecting. And right now, they're saying one of the greatest things that is being faced all over the world, fear. A fear that didn't exist. Jesus said this before he left the earth. In the last days, if you want to know before I return what the generation will look like before I come back, he said this, men's hearts will fail them for fear for what is coming on the earth. He wasn't saying they were going to have a heart attack. He said their hearts would fail them. Their hopes would go away, right? Their passions would be relieved. Would some of them die? Yeah, but he wasn't talking about physical death. He was talking about the heart, the center of the human spirit, right in here. What's going to happen? Their heart that is supposed to be alive with passion, want to share life, want to intersect, we all do, will fail them for Fear, notice, for what is coming on the earth. I'm here to give you a positive message today. It's time for us to re-engage. It is time for the church to be the church, okay? We can still be the church and practice safety etiquette. We can still be the church and respect people. Come on, are you hearing me? We don't make a big... But we are here for a reason. And there are more people in this community that want that engagement. They do. They want community. They want hope. They want it. But who's called to share it with them? Right? Not those that are bound in the fear. They're looking for the hope. All right? We have to be lights that shine in a dark world. And I'm going to open up today by reading from Acts chapter 3. If you've got your Bible, I know they're going to put it up on the screen, but I want you to see something here in Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. Because we are now going to come out of chaos and we're going to come into opportunity. That's our time, folks. We're coming out of chaos. It, there's chaos. And again, regardless, there's a, there was a lot of good things that did occur. There was also some really bad things. Let's not try to put your stand on what you think is good or bad. What we need to do is understand this. Was there chaos? Did it shut things down? Did it hinder life flow among humans? If the answer is yes, and they chaos, meaning I don't know what to do, we're coming out of that chaos because God's given clear direction. But what are we coming into? Opportunity. We have never had a greater opportunity to be sharers of hope. We've never had a greater opportunity to shine light in darkness. We've never, 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 ever had this kind of an opportunity and that's what God is asking of us. Will you let me be me through you to help those who are looking for a solution and answer? I am going to tell you right up front, the greatest vaccine for the virus of sin and fear is the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is no greater vaccine. What's amazing to me is the hope that rises within people because we have a vaccine. And I'm going, thank you, God, for it. I believe God's hand was in it. But if they get that vaccine and their life is preserved and 10 years later they die and don't know Jesus, my question to everybody that had this kind of joy was, now what happens? We preserved their life for 10 years and now what? Now they enter into eternity. Are they going to spend that with the author of life? So which one was the more important decision? Which one's the greater priority? And as the believing community, we cannot lose sight of why we're here. I support all of those folks who want to get that and who need that. I'm grateful for it. But never to prioritize that more than the vaccine of abundant life that Jesus gives that drives out sin, drives out darkness, drives out fear. We need this, folks. People need this, and we are the carriers of this. Thank God for it. Yeah, that was a good place to say amen. Yeah, right? All right, so here we go. Ready? Acts chapter 1, I'm going to read verse 1 through 7, and I want you to follow along with me and see if you can see what I see. There's an opportunity that happens right in the midst of something that's chaotic. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. 
Now a man who was lame from birth being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. And Peter, looking straight at him, as John did, they said, then Peter said, look at us. Notice this. So the man gave him his attention. Why was the man there? To get money. Why did he have to get money? Because he's got a problem. He can't walk, which means he probably can't work. So his hope is if I just got more money, I can live a little longer. Oh, yeah, I'll live with this crippling disease. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, but, but here's the, all I want, see, how they can help me, just give me the money. Just give me the money. That'll help me because I can't work. Give me the money. Have compassion on me and give me the money. So Peter says, look at us. Now, this guy's excited. Yes, I'm got, I got somebody that's going to give me some money. He was expecting to get something from them. Notice, then Peter said to him, silver and gold I don't have. But what I do have, I give you. Notice, what did he have? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And notice, here's what I want you to see. It's time to engage. And taking him by the right hand, notice, he helped him up. Peter just used the name of Jesus. and didn't say, now bless God, if you got enough faith, get up on your own. He didn't do that. He said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I'm going to use the name of Jesus. I'm going to share what I've got with you, but then I'm going to help you get up. I'm going to get engaged. I'm not just going to stand here as the man of God and say that I've got all the... No, 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 no. I'm going to work with you. I'm going to put my hand in your arm. I'm going to help raise you up. And together, when we engage together with an opportunity that now is existing, you thought you needed money to better your life. Oh, no, 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 no. You need Jesus to better your life. Let me do something with you. I'm I'm going to lay my hand on you. You're going to lay your hand on me. And all of a sudden, fear goes because he pulls this man up and it says, and on the way of him getting up, notice what it says, immediately, instantly, the man's feet and ankles, what? Became strong. If you go on and read on, he brought this man into the church service with him. Now, not going into the history lesson, Peter obviously gets extremely persecuted over this. He has to go to the court because, remember, this lame man is whole. Why is that? Because everybody there knows who this guy is. He was brought to the temple, remember, since he was, he, he was crippled since he was born. I bet they knew him by name. I bet Jesus knew him by name. Why did Jesus not perform this same miracle? You ready? Wasn't the right opportunity. Could he have? Yeah, but he didn't. It wasn't the right opportunity. Now Peter gets there, and what? He's just been given the Great Commission. He, Jesus just said to them also, in my name you'll cast out devils, right? You'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. These guys are now moving in just after the day of Pentecost, and Jesus, just months before, giving them the Great Commission, they're walking in, their hearts are filled with something. Now they need a place to express it. And what do they do? In the midst of something that's chaotic, they see opportunity. Why chaotic? This guy's been there all the, he's there all the time, but he's looking for money. What if they would have thought, well, I don't want to say anything. What if I offend him? He really needs money. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. No, he doesn't. He needs Jesus. He needs an intersection with a living Christ. That's what he needs. And Peter said, I, I understand what you're looking for, because he said, silver and gold I don't, I don't have with me. But what I do have, I give you. Are we aware of what we've got? Are we aware of what we have? And what we can offer to people who are truly needing hope, guidance, encouragement, strength, we don't minimize, we don't badmouth what we just walk through. What we do is see opportunity in the midst of chaos and take advantage of the position God has put us in to be the carriers of hope in this hour. I want to show you how this works, that when we're not careful to see the opportunity and all we focus on is the chaos, the blinding effect that it gives. Ready? Because then I'm going to walk through what, how do we engage? What are we supposed to do? I want you to take your whatever hand, get it out like this, and put your thumb up. Put it out as far as you can. Ready? Now, when you do that, take that thumb and point it toward one of the screens, to the right or to the left, right? You see the screen? Now, take, close one of your eyes. And then start moving that thumb closer to the eye that's open. Just keep moving it closer, closer. Notice it's getting bigger. Your thumb's getting bigger. Your thumb's getting bigger. Now get it right in front of your eye. What happened to the screen? Holy smokes. 
Now, I'm going to tell you what, that screen's a whole lot bigger than your thumb. Not only is it the screen, look at all that's around you. There's people, look at all that. Isn't it amazing how things disappear when I get something way too close into my sight that obstructs the opportunities that are in front of me? And that happens if all we do is listen to the news. If the only people you hang around are people that talk about the chaos, talk about the problem, talk about what isn't happening, that's because they got this going on. They can't see it. And even if you try to tell them, they just can't see it. We need to help do this. We need to help see there is opportunity that exists in our day and be those carriers of hope. So let me talk to you about it for a few minutes. What does that mean? Remember I said Jesus Christ is building the church? Building's a construction term, which means it isn't built yet. He's still building it. Why? Because the church is revealed as his body in the earth, or it's revealed as his house in the earth. The New Testament reveals both of those. We're either compared to his body or his house. Interesting about both components. They have multiple members. Right? So I want you to go on a journey of imagination with me for just a minute. Just take this building that we're in right now. As a matter of fact, let's not take this building. Think of your favorite dream house. Right? I could see some of you right now. I saw the smile on your face. Yeah. Okay. I said dream house, and you went, okay. Think of your favorite dream house, whatever it is, right? Wherever it is. What if I was able to get all of the material that makes up that dream house? And on the plot of land where that dream house is supposed to go, we had every two-by-four, we had the bricks, we had the windows, we had the nails, we had the foundation, the concrete. I mean, you, whatever is needed, the window, you got it, and we deliver it, and it's there. Here's my question. Is it your dream house? But I have everything that needs to be connected there. What's the missing component? Everything's there. All the provision for everything you're going to need to have your dream house is present on the property. Why isn't it your dream house? Because it's got to move from them assembling together to being engaged together. It's the only way anything that's built is ever built. There is a major difference between having everything there and then it being connected together. We could throw all the wood that took this building, all the drywall. We could take it and just set it right here and go, man, that can look like this. But it isn't that until they get engaged with each other. Okay? So what do I got to do to have a dream house ready? If you're taking notes today, the first thing I've got to do is I got to make a choice to engage with the vision of the house. You got to choose to engage with what Jesus is doing here at Hope Church, the vision of the house. Let me show you some pictures just to show you what I'm talking about. You see, when you get a house, and we, why is the vision? See, there's a house right there. All right? And let me show you something else about a house. Let me show you what comes. There's the house, but you got to have a blueprint in order to build that house. See, somebody's got to put a blueprint together. And then when they put the blueprint together, right, it turns out to be the dream house. Well, you're right. Somebody's got to build it. So you can go back to that first picture. Boom, there we are. Somebody's got to build it. Jesus said, I will build my church, which means in building it, he's going to put members together. Those members could be Frankie and Ron. Those members can be Tim. Right? I mean, you can pick whoever you want to. This, if Jesus is building something, he knows who the members are and where they fit. He'll put a blueprint together. But just getting them somewhere, that's a step. But getting them there doesn't mean they're engaged in the actual work. They're just there. And just as a house, I could put everything needed for that on your land, but it's still not the house. You can't sleep there. You can't eat there, right? It doesn't protect you. Why? It doesn't serve its purpose if the materials just gather there. They have to move from gathering to connection. So the question becomes to you, have you chosen to engage with the vision of this house, Hope Church? Have you made that choice? See, only you can make that choice. 
The scripture says in Jeremiah, when God is talking to Jeremiah, and he says this to him, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, and he said, what do you see, Jeremiah? Jeremiah said, I see the branch of an almond tree. Ah, I replied, and the Lord said to me, you've seen correctly, for I'm watching over my word to fulfill it. That's my question for you. Do you see what God's doing here? Because he'll ask you, what do you see? Well, Lord, I see a, a church that's just trying to, you know, they've got to rent a property so they can gather together. Is that what you see? Are you seeing what I see? Do you see the opportunity? Well, Lord, you know, I just, they're, they're a little smaller than what I'm used to, and, you know, I'm just looking for a place just to sit and gather and just kind of heal. Okay. I can do that for you there. But do you see what I see? Do you see the reason why I brought you there? Did you think that it was just about you? Did you understand? Yeah, yeah, but Lord, I, you know, I'm insignificant. I'm just, I'm just you know, for me, Lord, I'm just kind of like, you know, like when you put up a door, I'm just kind of like the hinge, you know, that, that the door swings. And then the Lord would go, yeah, and let me ask you a question. If those hinges weren't there and we just set the door there, what happens when you push it? Oh, it falls down on somebody? Oh, so the hinge is kind of important, huh? He's saying, do you see what I see? See, I'm building something. Why is that? Because I want to bring shelter to a community. There's people out in that community that are fearful, and they really do want hope. There's people out there that are actually praying for a community of faith. They've been hurt before, and they really want to be involved in something. Oh, yeah, they'll heal, but they want to participate. They want to be involved. They understand the value of this. Are you willing to engage with the vision of the house, not just gather as somebody who attends the service? Is there a difference? There is a difference. Thankful. Hey, listen, I'm grateful for all of your attendance. Thank God. Hey, I am. Don't, don't misunderstand. I'm grateful. Those of you watching, I'm grateful. But there's something beyond us gathering, and it's more powerful. The opportunity that is in front of us is to provide the power of a living Jesus into darkness where light can come. Hope that drives out fear right? A vaccine of the gospel that can drive out the sin in their life that's keeping them from turning to Christ. Do we see the opportunity that is set in front of us in this hour? Proverbs 29 verse 18 says this, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. How many of you honestly would like to live a blessed life? I got to see what God's doing, and if I participate in it, think about it. If I participate in it, you say, but it's labor-intensive. Is it really? Or does it seem that way? Is it labor-intensive? Is there labor? Sure there is. But you know what I found? The pipes that are pumping the water never have to ask if they're getting wet. If they're connected to the water supply... And when you turn it on, if it's been connected right, that pipe never has to say, I wonder if I'm going to get wet. Oh, yes, you will. You'll stay wet, too. (laughs) See, because you're the conduit. When you connect and God uses you as a conduit to bring life and hope, you never have to ask, will I be able to participate with it? Are you? Absolutely. You'll be able to be the first tester of it, right? It's, It's being pumped out through you. God's using you. Yeah. You see, that's the whole sowing and reaping principle. Again, what did Peter say? I don't have the money, but what I do have. He acknowledged, what do I have? And what do I do with what I have? He didn't just say in the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. And he didn't just stand there and go, now, come on, get up. I I just spoke, get up, man. Ah, see, John, this doesn't work. Look at him. He didn't do that. What did he do? In the name of Jesus, rise and walk. And then he literally took a step toward the man, took him by the hand and helped him up. And when that happened, that's when the, the living Christ engaged. He didn't engage when he first said it. He engaged when Peter, the representative of Christ, had to engage with another human. Yes. See, this is how it works. Without the gospel and hope engaging with other humans, there, I mean, it's just another philosophy. The power is when the word is shared and we are willing to engage with others and say, hey, we'll help you. We'll walk with you through this, right? And it's in there that this transformation takes place. Number two, what do I need to do else? I got to engage with the house, with the vision of the house, right? Then number two, 
I need to choose to engage with the people of the house. Why? Because they're the members. I got to engage with the people of the house. Notice, if you would, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and I'm going to read then verse 46 and 47. It says this. They joined with the other believers in regular attendance at the apostles' teaching sessions and at communion services and prayer meetings. They worshiped, noticed, together regularly at the temple each day, met, again, gathered together in small groups and homes for communion. They shared their meals with great joy and thanksgiving, praising God, and the whole city was favorable to them. Notice what happened. When they did this, the whole city was favorable to them. The whole city was favorable to them. And each day, God added to them all who were being saved. Let me show you something about what's going on here. You see, remember I told you earlier, if I put bricks on a site, does it make it the house? Look at, there's bricks that make up a whole building all sitting right there. But is it a building? It's not. Here's what needs to happen. Skilled laborers have to come and do this. And when they do that, what happens? Those bricks that just take up a piece of land, they have the potential to be a house. But they can't move in that direction until somebody guides them to connect them together. Thank you, Pastor Josh, for obeying Jesus Christ. Thank you for coming to this community. Thank you for persevering even when people came and left. Thank you for facing the financial challenges that you faced. Thank you for never quitting, never giving up to keep trying to connect people together, not to you, to each other, to accomplish something that Jesus wants to do. Thank you, Brienne, for doing the same. We appreciate that. See, because without you obeying God, we're not here today. They're not here today. I mean, all of this, it's the work of Christ, but thank you. It takes somebody to be able to say, hey, I'll stand up I'll lead the charge. Yeah, I may not have been born and raised here. I don't know what they think about me. I may be a little different than what they're looking at, you know, but I'm obeying God. I'll do what he's asked me to do. And you know what happens? And some of you do the same thing. Okay, yep, been involved in this community for X amount of time, but happened to be here. It's like home. It's like really neat. It's amazing how I feel when I get here. Why is that happening? Because the skilled master builder is Jesus Christ. And what he's doing is he's putting you together and he's helping to cement that with the power of his word and the work of the Holy Spirit. Because when we do this, the house begins to get built for others to be able to enjoy the protection it gives, right? The provision that it gives, the ability to celebrate and gather that it brings that people are looking for. See, I, I, I have to engage with the vision of the house, but then I've got to engage with the people of the house. Why? Because as, as my wife said, it's the people that help put it together. We're the parts, man. I mean, think of it for just a minute. We'll use a practical illustration. Do not try this at home, okay? I'm just, that's a practical. Now, some of you, you, hands, you know, some of you guys, this is what is needed for remote controls, yeah. right? You, you know, right? I'm sorry, I know. Your wife told me to say that to you. But anyway, yeah, this is what's needed. But, but for, uh, you know, you need it for construction. You need it for things you do. You need it for your computer, right? We, we, we take it for granted. Let me ask you a question. It's only a hand. I mean, you could go without it. it just think, if we just kind of cut it off right from here, maybe the hand could work by itself in other things. And you go, well, that would be foolishness. Why? I mean, it's a hand, right? A hand has a function. So if I just cut it off and I want to use it maybe to work on the computer where I can go and do other things, why can't it do that? You go, well, it doesn't work that way. The hand only functions when it's connected to the arm. Yeah. Oh, really? Well, then we'll, we'll move it up. How about we just cut it off at the elbow, right? Yeah. Then, well, it doesn't work, so you don't get it, Ron. See, the way it works is the functionality of whatever it is that is in the body can only function when it's connected to another part. How come we can't get that when it comes to the body of Christ and the church? We're called members of his body, right? We're called members in his house. And yet we honest to God think that my functionality will actually work when I'm disconnected from his house. No, see, the gifts that you all have, and every one of you do, the gifts that you have weren't there for you. They're strengths that you have, yes. But think about when you a gift, isn't it given to somebody else? You give them something, and what do they do? It brings enjoyment to them. Well, see, every one of you are gifted for what reason? So God can use it to share that gift with other people. 
And if, it, if that doesn't happen, and I turn it just to me, and I, I come, but I don't use that gift, I don't participate, I don't help with the children, I don't get involved in the music. I mean, think about what we had today, the music team. I mean, what would have been it like if one, somebody got up here and said, I really can't sing, but here's songs on the screen, let's just all sing the best we can. What kind of experience might that have been compared to the one we had, right? A different experience, right? That's not being critical. I'm just trying to show you an observation. Why? Because we're entering a time of opportunity. But the opportunity will have to be taken advantage of. I'm going to have to see it before I can get engaged with it. But if I don't see it at all, I'll never engage. That's why I did that. All I'll see is the chaos. And what I'll say to myself is, when this goes away, then I'll do something. Why are we waiting for that? Why am I waiting for that? The opportunity is in front of us now, okay? Last thing. This been okay for you this morning? Yes. I got to choose to engage, right? I, in, I, I choose to engage with the vision of the house. What's the vision of Hope Church? Why do we exist? Number two, then I choose to engage with the people of the house. I need to connect with them in order for functionality to work. Because if I don't connect with them, it, it just it doesn't work that way. I can desire it, but it's not possible. Then number three, got to choose to engage with supporting activities that promote the vision. Notice Ephesians 4.16. From whom the whole church joined and knit together. Ah, you seeing that now? The whole church joined and what? Knit together by what every joint. What do they do? They supply. That's an action word, right? Every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does what? Its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. You see, the ability for each part to fulfill its function, or let's say this, its purpose, is only operative when I'm connected to other corresponding parts. Because whatever the activity is requires more than just my finger. It may be my hand, which may be my arm, right? In my br- it, it requires quite a few to have to labor together. Yeah. And, and so I've got to have corresponding activities that support the vision, which means if all of us come into the church and we have our own idea of what we would like church to be, and we would have the song that I want to have sung during the worship, or this is the way, this is the outreach I would like to do, we'll run in all different kinds of directions and never get anything done. And all of them could be good things. They all could be. But the strength is in our harmony together that we join and knit together and focus those resources of giftedness, finances, time to advance those things that support the vision of the house. Other activities could be good, but if they're not necessarily supporting the vision of the house, is that something that I want to be involved in? I'm going to give you an example, taking my own life personally. Back in the 80s and 90s when I was pastoring, you know, we had certain things where, you know, there was a lot of protests going on for uh, abortion clinics and things of that nature. I know we still have some of that today. But what happened back then, and there, there were pastors that wanted to go and do sit-outs in front of these places to get arrested to try to bring awareness to the community of how bad this is. And so people asked me, would you do that? And I went, uh, no. Well, why? I mean, don't, don't, like you're a pastor, you're, other pastors are doing it. And I went, I'm not saying I'm against their cause, but I can't equip the saints if I'm in prison. I, I have to support the activity that is connected with the vision of the house. And the truth of the matter is the vision of the house isn't just about me. It's not about me waving my flag in the community and say, I'm a pastor, listen to my voice and now do something. I'm a pastor because if you remove the people, there's no need for my gift. So if you remove me and they're there, what did I just do to them? I can't do that. It has nothing to do with whether this is a good or, or not good. Pro- I can, it's about my call. The activity that I need to do is directly related to helping them. I can't help them being there. That doesn't serve them. And I got criticized, not by our church. They, they applauded me, and I thank God for them. But I got criticized by other people in the church because leaders in the church did that and wanted to know why I didn't join them and said, well, don't you support our cause? I said, I, I, I thank God for the cause, and I pray just like you do. But the activity that you're asking me to do will divert me from caring for the flock. And that's my call. And I can't do that to them, and I feel that it's not appropriate for me to do that to Jesus who put me there. 
And I don't know how you guys are dealing with that. So I'm not you can flesh it out the way you do, but for me, that, doesn't, that activity doesn't support the vision of the house. And so I, 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 I have to refrain from doing that. Again, it blessed our church. Our church grew as, as a result of it while the community, you know, yacked about me because I didn't do it like other pastors did. But the people understood, hey, this is... And I was trying to lead by example. I, did, I didn't demean the activity of what they were doing. I was trying to say my activity as a shepherd requires this. The people expect that. What happens if I don't do that? So while I get arrested for how many? Two weeks? Ten days? I don't know how long. What does that do to the staff? What does that do? What does that do? What's the ripple effect to that activity? And I couldn't do it in my conscience. I said, I can't. I'd feel like I'm dishonoring my King Jesus and the people. I, I, I owe it to them. So while I can say, God bless you, and I pray for that cause, I could not just go sit out and wait to get arrested. All right? What activities are we doing as a church that are honing in that they're supportive to what the vision of the church is? Because you can't do everything. Now, when I say everything, everything that you put on a, on a whiteboard may all be good, but you can't do it all. What can you do that unites people together and hones in that energy, right? Let me show you what I'm talking about here. Notice, you're going to see, this is a pick from Habitat for Humanity. See, they're building something there. What are they doing? The activities are actually associated with what they're building. There comes a time when after all that wood, after all that's put together, that's a peak there. What do they got to do? They got to carry that and put it somewhere. They can't just leave it on the ground. The peak just doesn't float up by itself, right? But what if they say, no, we don't want to do that. We have other fun things we'd like to do. And they go off and they do something else. That peak sits there. It just sits there. See, there comes a time when you got to have supporting activities that everybody, they lock up together and they start moving forward. Because here's what happens. Notice, they're going to build this house. See? There comes a time when, when something's finished or it's at a certain point, i got to move around to something else. And it takes the master, the Lord Jesus, who's the builder of the house, and the leaders of the church to give us the kind of guidance by the Spirit of God. What can we be doing now? What kind of outreach is necessary? Can we pull together to do that? I remember when my wife and I, we took over a church in Texas once for a season because I had an office uh, in a couple of cities in Texas and I was traveling. Uh, so I, I couldn't you know, live in that community, but it was a good-sized church that you know, had some difficulty and it went from like three, 400 people down to 75 people in a short period of time, had a, a very, very nice facility, and there was a concern, you know, what are we going to do? Because, you know, when you have that many people leave, you know, the finances go down, is the church going to end? We have, we, we owe money on, on the building, on the, more, what, what's going to happen? And I remember us coming in and helping them, and in a nine-month period of time, it went, we, we grew almost 250 to 300 people. It was amazing how many people came to Christ, people that came back, because there was a leadership. Now, I'm bringing it up to you for a reason as I talk about supporting activities. They wanted to reach the community. And so we brought an idea to them that we did years past, before that. And we called it Trunk or Treat. And in Texas, some of them, they had never heard of what Trunk or Treat was. So we said, well, Trunk or Treat, we're going to get people in our church. We're going we're to take our parking lot. We've got a huge parking lot, and we're going, to, we're going to just align it with cars. And we're going to fill those trunks with candy for the kids and families to come in. And we want you to dress up like Bible characters, pirates, I don't care. You know, dress up and, and, and attract attention to your thing. Well, I got to tell you, we had some religious people there that, I mean, they, they, I think they thought we might have been led by the devil. And they were telling us, you can't do that. I mean, they can't dress up like that fighter. That's not honoring Jesus. And I asked, I said, I don't even know who that fighter is. Is that fighter popular today? Absolutely. Dress like the fighter. I mean, if the, did the kids know the fighter? And, and, and they said, why are we doing that? And I said, let me ask you a question. Who are we trying to reach? Are we just wanting to reach the kids in our church? Because if we are, we could just set buckets out in the church, let them come in. Or are we trying to reach the community? Who are we trying to reach? I'm not doing the trunk or treat for our kids. They can come. I'm hoping that we impact the community. I remember them saying, well, I don't know if that'll ever go over here. I am not exaggerating. We had those cars lined up in two hours. We had over 1,000 people that came, and the majority of those people who came never came to the church. 
They had never seen anything like that. And I remember the next week they went, well, I think the idea worked. I went, yeah, I think it did. Because we had to determine who are we reaching. My, my point is in connecting to this, this point, we must have supportive activities that, that are aligned with the vision. If all I wanted to do is reach our kids in our church, we could have had something indoors. They could have come in, right? We could have, we could have done that. We didn't choose to do that. The kids were welcome to come. Our goal was to try to reach the community. And each thing that they got, we gave them flyer. We gave devotionals out. We gave things out. We had personalized devotionals and gave them out. And people ended up coming to attend church services simply because of their engagement with that event. And they weren't a Christian and they didn't come to the church. And those were the people we were trying to reach. Does it make sense? See, we had to align our activity with what the vision was. What are we trying to do? They all don't all blend together. If I just want to minister to the church kids, I can do something at the church that's going to be very different, right? And then we can invite people. I wanted to go out into the community because we had a huge parking lot we, and we rented. We put up big, I mean, lights that I'm sure the police department were so thankful when we were done. We had lights. I mean, you could see us for probably a quarter mile down the road. They, well, what's going on down there? Well, and that's why we did it, to attract attention. That's my encouragement to you. Take advantage of this opportunity that we're in. Is there still some things that are chaotic? Yes, they are. But they're good people that are in this community. It's not their fault. They're looking for an answer. They're looking for hope. They're looking for something that can give them some form of direction that, hey, there's something better that's coming, right? I can be part of a community that's going to make a difference. I, I want that. I long for that then connect with the vision of the church, Hope Church. Connect with each other because it's going to be necessary as the chief builder, Jesus, builds it. And then align those activities with the vision that's going to help you accomplish what it is that you're called to do. You do that, and you'll see the hand of a living Christ bless all the work of your hands. You'll grow numerically, and you'll grow spiritually. We hope that this message inspired you and filled your heart with faith. If you would like to visit our church, check out www.highcountrychristian.com for service times and location information. Thanks again for listening to this audio presentation from High Country Christian Church, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.